Hi guys, it's Andy McDonald, physiotherapist and strength and conditioning coach, and welcome to the Informed Performance Podcast. On today's show, I have Naveem Hitcharacher, the Director of Health, Wellness and Performance from the Washington Wizards NBA team. In this episode, we'll be discussing the empathy and human factors of athlete care, as well as PRI. This episode of the Informed Performance Podcast has been sponsored by Vald Performance, makers of the Nordboard. Since its creation, the Nordboard has become the gold standard for assessing field-based hamstring strength. By combining advanced sensors, real-time data visualization, and cloud analytics, the Nordboard has helped practitioners to accurately measure, monitor, and train athletes' hamstring strength or imbalances. To learn more about the Nordboard, visit our sponsor, volperformance.com. You're listening to the Informed Performance Podcast with me, Andy McDonald. Let's get into today's conversation between myself and Naveen. Naveen, welcome to the show. It's, uh, it's great to have you on. Andrew, thank you so much. I'm very excited to talk to you. Just to give the listeners a little bit of context, obviously me and you have spoken before, but can you give the listeners a bit of an overview as to what your background is, I guess, educationally through to professionally to the current day? Uh, my education, I have a master's and undergrad uh, in sports medicine. So my, I'm coming from um, a medical background and I would say I lived in a medical background in the NBA and the, in the NFL for, with the Redskins and the Washington Wizards. Uh, for I've been out of college for about 20 years now in uh, for about eight years, I just lived straight on, only on um, medical background. Then I transitioned over to nine, 80% uh, strength and conditioning background for about six years. Then now I do both. So I'm in both roles. Um, I am the director of health, wellness, and performance for the Washington Wizards. Um, I've been here for the 17 years. I had a few different titles. Then uh, before that, um, I was uh, intern uh, with the Washington Redskins, like a part-time slash intern with the Washington Redskins, where um, I did some uh, hours in a clinical setting. Uh, before that, I was in college. Cool. And kind of, it's a bit of a fluffy question, so I apologize. But, you, you know, as a director of health, well-being and, sorry, health, wellness and performance, you're responsible for designing and implementing kind of strength conditioning programs and preventative programs uh, and sort of tasks with trying to optimize athletic health and performance. Are you able to, I guess, in a general sense, just sort of outline what your overall approach is to uh, health and performance? Um, Andrew, my overall performance is uh, injury prevention. Um, So I really look at um, each athlete, um, obviously, you know that each person is their own thumbprint. Everyone is so unique. So I really spend time on learning about them as who they are as a person uh, from the way that they were born with a C-section or whatnot to the way I try to learn and understand how they function, how their mind and physiologically function, as well as how everything moves from from the big toe to the head. And then based on that, I go after what, I kind of put everything on a red light, uh, yellow light, um, green light. So the light system and I drive on what I can drive on. Then I hit on red lights. I maybe put them on the table or whatever you need 
um, and work on that. So I'm just trying to make sure it's just like a car, you know, find what's not working every day and work on them. And if it's amazing Ferrari, which they are Ferraris, the athlete population that I work in is, I call them Ferraris. And even a Ferrari, we got to do maintenance work. And how do you kind of, um, uh, I guess, when you work with a client or an athlete, obviously what you're doing is very wide sweeping and very holistic. Do you, has that, has it helped you be in an environment that you're in, in the sense that you've got maybe not a playing squad that's huge in numbers. So you've got the time perhaps to, to look at people, um, with more analysis and more broadly. Yes. Um, because it's, it's, first of all, it's, uh, few only few athletes and now uh, back in the day when I started we had one athletic trainer one strength coach uh, maybe two athletic trainer one strength coach we are now our staff's about you know 10 to 11 it's almost like one to one um, athlete to uh, staff you know medical and performance so the staff is crazy a lot big uh, so yes since it's only 15 or 14 players that you work with um, it really gives you an opportunity to spend so much time with them day to day um, in the flights, in the weight room, in the training room, on the court to see how they're walking, see how they're sitting, see how they're doing, you know, eating on what side of the mouth they're chewing on. So you get to really see this amazing picture day in and day out. Hmm. And how do you kind of... Um one of the things I always find interesting to ask people is how they approach their own um, sort of personal professional development. Because obviously, you know, when you work in elite sport, it's increasingly more scientific and more objective than ever. Um, but obviously, you've got a very holistic uh, consideration for how you manage health and performance. How do you, where, where do you turn to upskill yourself as a practitioner? Um, Andrew, that's uh, the way that I have learned is... Um... I have gone and learned from, I want to say, pioneers of health, wellness, and performance um, where, you know, say I went to uh, Belgium for two weeks on a Syriac course or in Australia, learning from Jenny McConnell, Toby Hall. I was there in Perth for a month um, or I've been to um, Malaysia or Singapore or, or India spending there two, two weeks being in London for 10 days, um, just all over the world from the people who wrote books, you know, people who are um, 80, 90 years old, they've been doing this for 50 years. And it's same thing in even, even in America. When we travel, I, I meet up with people. So I have learned all this neurologically, respiratory, circulatory, muscular vision, like I picked up all these things and I treat them through different lenses, you know, instead of like, oh, it's the knee that's bothering you. I take a huge step back and I take a huge look at it, not only from a neurological point, respiratory point, but I take a huge look at through nutritional point. Um, I, I could tell you stories about, you know, I actually will share this story that um, we had we had one athlete that, I was about to have surgery and, you know, I was like, ah, this is a young kid. He's just, just, you know, first couple of years, we don't want to have surgery. It's his hip. Pretty much we were pushed against our wall from, from whoever. And then I was like, no, this is not a, not a, um, 
orthopedic issue, it's a functional medicine issue. So we cleaned up his diet. We found out that he was sensitive to dairy. We took the dairy out, and all of a sudden, he ran from sympathetic to parasympathetic, where he went from fight or flight every day, Andrew, like hip is bothering, back is bothering. He's just like locked up like a brick. He went to like a pillow, nice and soft. So where I have come to a point is that it's everything. We just cannot treat our athlete as 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 one thing. The knee pain is might might be manifesting from something something that might be happening from home. You know, in like a personal life, knee pain might be coming on because of his vision or his earring, hearing. So um, I have learned and continue to learn um, every day about what else is going on that manifesting as pain. I'm going to ask the question that I think probably some of the listeners have on their minds uh, about what you just said in, you know, you've got an athlete that you just mentioned, obviously protect their identity, of course, but um, you, you suspect there's maybe uh, a presentation of why they've got pain or a problem that's beyond orthopedics. What what kind of led you to consider it could be, uh, you know, outside a neuromuscular or um, skeletal structural type injury and, and went more towards the nutritional uh, sort of approach for it? What what kind of led you to that thought process? I don't know whether you're allowed to share that or not. Yeah, actually, it's, it's such a great question. Um Every day when I work with my athlete, I go, it's very organic. Um, you know, I share about, hey, I went to sleep last night at this time. I got up this time. I did my workout. I went to CrossFit. I went to paddleboard. We just have an organic conversation, all right? Um, we talk about our food. We talk about how, what my wife did. So these are very organic conversations. In the conversation, it always comes on, you know, this like what they what they would eat or what they like. So you just keep that in your memory bank, you know. Um, this is my wellness questionnaire. Like teams have it, but you see athletes um, just press the same button over and over. I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, right? When you have a conversation like this, it's just very natural. Um, in fact, um, I want to kind of uh, talk to you more about it. Like we talk about gratitude. We talk about um, the way that I treat the athlete. I'll come back to your question. The way that one of the ways that I treat these young athletes, I mean, some of the athletes that I work with 19 years old or they're 21 years old, they left home. You know, they really barely had a college life or barely had, barely have a home. You know, they're 19, 20 years old. So we constantly talk about being grateful, what their gratitude is like for mental health. So I do work on mental health, not only physical health. Um, so coming back to you, so this kid, you know, kind of kind of kept a, a track of, like, he loves uh, cheesecake, okay? So I kind of kept a track of the days he would eat cheesecake and not eat cheesecake. Like, that was his go-to. He loved cheesecake. Um, so I felt like every time he eat cheesecake, that he was tight. Actually, Andrew, remind me, I got another story to tell you about watching TV and being tight, Okay. Um, so every time he ate cheesecake, he was tired. So I was just kind of putting that together, you know, um, some of the testing that, you know, we'll talk about it, like posture restoration Institute test that we do, you could kind of, I, I do test and retest every day. So I get to know where they are like real quick. I know what tests are there normally, or I know what tests are there 
positive and negative normally based on their patterns. So I test them every day. So I get to see what their life system is, how I'm going to treat them based on based on my testing and based on what they what they tell me um, is how I treat. So kind of like your previous question, how I treat is is to let my testing guide me and also what they tell me guide me, you know. Um, so to answer your question, like, uh, like th- it was so obvious that every time this athlete ate the Oreo, I mean, not Oreo cheesecake, cheesecake that he was tight and stiff and in, in pain, but he didn't have any bloating. He didn't have any discomfort, but it was just a, a palpable stiffness, you know, then him and I worked together. I was like, Hey, look, look what she ate. You're tight, but I didn't say that was the reason. Then we just kind of did that experiment for like two more weeks. Then both of us like, oh my God, like I don't even have to tell him. He was like, oh my God, this is making me tight. And like, yep. I'm like, it took you this long to realize? He's like, yeah. He's like, why didn't you tell me? I'm like, if I told you, you would, you would like say, no, 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 it's not. or I, I don't eat it. But you figured out the answer on your own. Like I spoon fed you, you know? Yeah. What um what kind of compelled you I guess in the first place to track his nutrition? Do you, I mean like do you have a nutritionist to hand at the team or we do um, we have a nutritionist? But that's one thing that I do that I'm like really deep dive into functional medicine. Um, almost coming from a biohack, I consider like one of my I'm one of the best biohackers in the league. I love personally biohacking where you know I track my personal HRV, my breathing red light to NAD plus to IVs to grounding to earthing. So I am like very much personally in part of biohacking. Um, so I put some of that stuff into um, to my players. Like, you know, like for example, like say if you're going on a long flight, maybe like glutathione and vitamin C, uh, grounding before and after, so stuff like that, you know. I so, um big into biohacking and he came that those those stuff like comes naturally when you when you start paying attention to the athlete and when you start working with the athlete every day just that those answers just come naturally and you know i recently read an article that you'd or a blog post is a better way to phrase it that you'd put together titled treating physical injuries of athletes is only half your job and and in that you discuss a lot of the kind of empathetic and human factors of being a sports medicine professional are you able to kind of give the i guess the backstory that inspired you or or led you to write that article to create some context um the reason that i wrote that uh, article was um i was in a webinar i mean i was in a a panel for nbs strength and conditioning association and just kind of like getting ready for the webinar and uh, i was just talking with my wife and for some reason i just said you know what I'll take an athlete mentally 150% mentally 150% ready and physically they're only 80% healthy compared to somebody who's 100%, 110% healthy uh, physically and mentally if they're 80%, you know? So the like the person who's mentally not there, not, not as in saying not there, but mentally they're like, oh, I'm scared of my right ankle, I don't want to sprain it. Most likely, they're gonna go and hurt something else, or they're not gonna perform, or then if they're gonna get benched, then they don't. They're not gonna sleep well. Then all of a sudden, their ankle gets swollen up because they don't sleep well. Their stress hormones high. All of a sudden, they're they're having uh, 
their lips start breaking, breaking down, or they have eczema. So we see all this stuff manifesting, you know, because of the mental health. Or it could be that all of a sudden the player something happening at home. Now they are they need a little bit of TLC. The back pain start coming on because they don't have anybody to talk to. They want to come to the physio room. So we we as a human being, as a physio, we we are putting we are putting this universe in this earth for to do amazing work. And like we just need to be a big brother, big sister, and listen to them. And we could help so many people by listening to them. We don't even need to have solution. Maybe listen to them and kind of guide them, but just being being there, listening, it's it's an amazing, powerful tool that people just get healed just by that. Yeah, it's interesting because I think when you when you initially train as a clinician, um, bedside manner and your ability to uh, to talk to people is always really encouraged as one of the kind of softer skills that you, you absolutely have to develop, but sports quite a different environment it's there's a lot more moving parts there's more pressure you see the patients or the people uh, all the time and I think maybe sometimes I don't know whether you've experienced this um, the way in which we communicate with the athlete who's the patient can be slightly different to how it can be in a more sort of broader medical context yeah honestly the way that I kind of go there go about my business is that hey um, you know, one of our coaches tell, told us like along like this is a word that he used recently that's just kind of resonated with me really good, like selfless giving. You know, um, I take every athlete that I work with, it's it's my family member. What can I do? What do you want me to be? And who do you want me to be? You know, I'm your physio. I'm your counselor. I'm your brother. I'm your server. I'll go to the Whole Foods and get like. It's been times that. You know, after a shoot around, I go to the Whole Foods and get some food and sit there and talk with them. You know, that helps them more than the two hours of dry kneeling and manipulations and soft tissue work that I do with them. Like they feel better that I went and got some food, the same food that I eat and I brought it to them sitting in their room and just watching TV and eating with them. I would say Andrew had more effect on these athletes than what I did for the whole year, you know, um, we, I feel like that, that genuine relationship that will lead to, without you needing anything that will lead you into that. You're still friends with them when they are done in the league. Um, let's see, 14 years ago, you know, uh, they still call and say, they don't even ask questions about you. Like, I'm getting so many text messages saying, hey, um, I just got a text message yesterday. Okay, let me think. Um, it says, um, you're my go-to guy for medicine. Uh, my, my, where is it? Oh, man, I'm forgetting. I'm blanking out. He was asking for one of his like family members, like his sister. You know, like, hey, the doctor wanted her to take this. What you think? Or, or great questions that I get asked is about, oh, player's wife saying, you know, my, my baby's having... She's three years old. She's having skin irritation. What should we do? Like stuff like that. Like that just tells you like they trust you. They trust your life with them. You know, because your your goal is to only help them. Like whatever it takes. I guess like sort of segueing to us as professionals. I had Bill Burgos on uh, earlier in, earlier in the podcast, and he was really good about talking about 
uh, how he kind of looks after himself first in the day and how he gets into the facility early, uh, deals with his own issues or anything that he's got to tackle that day, works out, uh, gets his own mind straight so that he can then be the best coach and uh, person at delivering to his athletes. Um, you know, obviously it's no, it's no secret that the NBA is a hectic schedule on a, on a regular league rather than this um, strange window we're in at the moment with Corona. But there's a lot of games, there's a lot of travel. How do you personally look after yourself as a, you know, as a kind of coach clinician to be able to deliver to your athletes? Andrew, um, this is such a great question. I just got asked this question uh, the other day in a webinar, in a panel. Um, and the, 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 this is how the question came in. I said, um, uh, you know, I'm constantly giving and I'm, I'm, I'm a giver. I want to give. I'm all about other people. And the lady goes, um, who fills your cup? And I said, uh, you know what? My cup is really overflowing all the time because I care, take care of myself. Uh, because I get up in the morning, because first it starts on sleep. I dial in on sleep. I literally go to bed at nine o'clock. Uh, my wife gets up at four o'clock in the morning. So I kind of try to get up at maybe five or six. So I really, I, I track my sleep. I know all the variables of my sleep from HRV to my breathing to everything. So sleep is number one. Then my nutrition's 99.98% dialed in. Um, super clean. I do my labs, my blood work. So nutrition sleeps dialed in. Then I'm, I do meditation every day. So my meditation's dialed in. Then my workouts are dialed in. You know, um, every city I do something. Um, it could be CrossFit. I love doing CrossFit. So that's kind of get me out outside the box, going into a box. I do CrossFit or pedal boarding or yoga or walking in the mountain or running in the beach or getting a soccer workout. So I kind of take care of my four pillars and then that just helps me have an extra water, extra, my cup is always full. I, in fact, I got two cups, so it's easy to give it to others. Also, if I take care of myself, it's easy to tell the players like, look, this is what I eat. This is how I eat. And maybe that's why, you know, I haven't gone to a doctor in 20 years or I don't have any trouble or I'm not stressed or I never had a bad day in my life because I do cross the T and dot the I, you know, where I see, I have seen over my 20 years in the professional sports and 17 years in the NBA, I hear and I see the coaches or medical staff, they're like, oh, my neck is hurting, my calves are tight, my back is tight, um, I can't go to sleep, I'm bloated. Because imagine, imagine if your doctor saying that to you, oh, I'm so tight in my back. Oh, I didn't go to sleep well. Oh, I'm bloated. Oh, I'm, I drank last night so much. Like if your doctor's telling that to you, like you lose in the instant credibility, right? Like, so imagine if we do that and our players always watch them. They always see what we do and they always ask us. And if we are not dialed in, if we are not Roma, first of all, we are not we are not taking care of ourselves, so we're not we're not doing good justice for ourselves. But if we don't take care of ourselves, how can we take care of our players or our family or friends or anybody else? So yes, I go above and beyond to take care of myself and take care of extra extra well. So I have an extra cup that I could help help others. And if I'm in pain free. If I my my testosterone is amazing, if my sleep is ninety nine, like it's so easy to help others and be like, hey, try this, try that, you know, and show them and and, and explain to them. Yeah, 
No, completely. And I want to keep this fairly simple to begin with, just so that the the listeners who haven't come across it can gain some sort of uh, basic appreciation of what it is and how it works. But I'm aware you were one of the first uh, Postural Restoration Institute PRI trained athletic trainers in the the DC area and maybe the NBA, if I'm correct. And what I'd like to do is just unpackage PRI. We've not had a PRI uh, sort of focused practitioner on the podcast yet, but a lot of people will be seeing it pop up online and in different uh, sort of training content sources. So would you be able to kind of outline and explain, you know, what is PRI and and how does it work essentially? And then we'll get into it a bit more in detail after. Absolutely. Um, First, I would say, um, you know, I like uh, we're going back to where I have learned and what I have learned and how much I have learned from the best of the best. I'll say Ron Haraska is a genius. He's literally best of the best. Okay. Um, I have gone all over the world, but I still gravitate towards Lincoln, Nebraska. I have done, I'll say close to like 15 classes of PRI. I have, um, Paid so many clinicians myself when I traveled to get treated from a PRI just to learning purposes. And I did a, like a one week mentorship there. So yes, PRI is a big part of who I am, what I'm about. So PRI stands for um, Posture Restoration Institute. And, um, Ron Haraska, um, developed it created it a brilliant man a kind man and i really resonate with him um so pretty much the basic concept is you know obviously we know the uh, bodies are not symmetrical right even though we got two of everything but it's some of them we only have one like the liver the heart we only have one so we are not um symmetrical okay so what i more than that what i love about pri is just really look at a 360 approach where i resonate really well the neurological respiratory circulatory muscular vision they put everything together as an integrative system and then they look at the look at the uh look at the person you look at the person as in like okay what is overdeveloped what is underdeveloped um how are they breathing like if you look at it like we have a um, smaller diaphragm on the left side. Like, so now the right side is breathing a, a certain way. Left side is breathing a certain way. We only have one liver. So we are twisted in a certain way. Um, so those are some of the, some of the stuff that we, we look at it. Like, sorry, like, uh, same thing. Like, so that's just like breathing pattern. Then like, we look at the brain, like how the left side is, you know, responsible for one side, like left side is like, speech uh compared to the right side um right side has its own own specialty um but main thing that what i love about uh, pr is like it's all neurological neurologically and how that affect uh musculoskeletal like for all, for your listeners and for your um people who work in a clinical setting like how neurology impact muscular activities in a huge way and if you've got an athlete who you're seeing not not perhaps for an injury because that will kind of create a very context specific example but you've got an athlete and you're you're just trying to evaluate them and understand them as an athlete and a, as a human body um as a blank canvas what does the pri assessment look like in when things are a bit more of an open book 
um, you know, I first I might just take a look at them, um, how they're sitting, how they're walking. You know, I might take a look at it and see, hey, how is this, how this person's cast, their quads, is the, is the left quad or the right quad bigger than the other one? Um, how their lats look, how their neck is, how, when they're walking, how's the arm swing, how much the right arm is moving, how much the left arm is moving. I'll take a look at how their ribs are. Um, then I will take a look at just, so this is like just looking like how their shoulders, what side of the, what if when they're standing, if the left shoulder is down, right side is down. And then Andrew, something that I really look at it, like the, the um, asymmetrics in the face, like how their eye, how their nostril, what side of the nose is bigger. I look at their teeth, what's their wearing pattern. Okay, that's just observation. Then I would come and take a look at it. Like so, PR I got a few tests. I'll like rattle off some of the some of the few tests that that I really love. Um, I'll, I'll look at like the these are very um, asymmetrical tests that we're looking at. Um, I'll kind of let your um, let your audience kind of go to PR and kind of see what the science behind it. But we just look at like the less left um, horizontal um, adduction test. We look at the right internal rotation to see what the positioning is. Then we will look at the left femoral. How can the left? How does the left femur adduct or the left hip? How well it's extend or how well if their trunk goes to the left or right? Um, how well they squat? So these are some of the things that I just look at it just like off the bat, like tells me what type of person they, it'll, it'll tell me a lot about their, how their autonom autonomic, you know, system, system works. Um, if they're able to like maximize their, like, um, I call it variability. Can they go to the left? Can they go to the right? Can they, can they back? Can they go to the front? So it's like a car, like we all patterned in, like, Think about cars like in a racing car, five, Daytona 500, like it's just going all left turn, left turn, left turn. So we just get into these patterns, right? And then all of a sudden, the car's computer, the autonomic system, it just get patterned, it just get more, pla uh, more plastic. It loses the elasticity of going, having the variability, going to the left, going to the right, going backwards, single leg. So they, they lose that. So I, my evaluation is to find what that is. By me finding that, I could prevent injuries. Then I know, okay, look, he's a very plantar flex calf dominant athlete, or he can get into his left side, you know, then I'm able, easily able to treat it. Got you. Is there kind of normative values that you can kind of fall upon within PRI or to sort of like standardize and uh, I guess objectively carry out the assessment or is it a more um, qualitative and sort of subjective assessment piece? Um, object, uh, it's, it's definitely, you could call it, uh, you could definitely get numbers on it. Like you could measure, measure everything that you said, but it's with PRI, it's almost like, are you pregnant or not pregnant? Is, is the test positive or negative? You know, um, and then like let the test guide you at the same time, you got to listen to the athlete, like going back to um, kind of the nutrition top nutrition components. Like, yeah, people ask me like, hey, Naveen, can you tell me your best diet? Is, is keto good for me? Is, is vegetarian good for me? Is, is carnivore or paleo good for me? I said, no, you ha we have to test it. We have to see what is good for 
how's your microbiome, maybe how's your how's your DNA testing, how's your gut health testing, how what's your food sensitivity like, right? Then after that, we got to see when you eat this broccoli or whatever, how are you sleeping, how's your HRV, are you oxalate sensitive, you know? Um, so we have to look at all that, okay? That's the testing. Then at the end of the day, I got to ask the person like, how did you sleep? How was your energy level? I could have a perfect diet for them, but if their energy level is not good, if they're not sleeping well, if they're getting bloated and irritated, it doesn't matter how and what they're eating if it's not meant for them. And are those components things that PRI kind of includes or values, or is that you combining holistically PRI with other modalities or uh, you know um, philosophies? Uh, this is uh, including other modalities and and um, other moda- modalities, kind of like my whole three hundred and sixty approach. Uh, but you know, PRI constantly talk about. Um, the respiratory system kind of like influencing um, neurology. So like now I could say, hey, the nutrition uh, affecting the neurology or sleeping affecting the neurology or not being mindful affecting the neurology. So all that kind of adds up. You know, we're treating the human, like we forget this human person with like all these uh, variables. And so we need to integrate. Like I really want the listeners to get away, leave away from this conversation, be like, this is how I feel, Andrew. Like every day I feel like I read so much, I study so much because this is my hobby. And I'm like, oh my God, I don't know anything, you know? Because there's so much to learn. Like I had a conversation with our intern, one of our interns yesterday. And he's like, oh my God, I'm learning, I'm learning. I'm like, um, yes, I feel the same way. Every day I'm like, I feel like I'm coming out of it like, oh my God, I don't know. I didn't know, you know? Because this is a huge system of integration, you know? Like, we need the dentist, the the eye eye doctor, the orthodontist. Like everything, everything has a little component to it. So that's why, like, kind of wrapping around and telling your audience, um, the the strength coach is like, look, you we cannot have everybody doing the same deadlift, right? That's like saying everybody should eat vegan or vegetarian or whatever. Yes, it's great, but we need specific needs. Like this, everybody has their own needs. You know, we, that's a hard thing to put a blanket statement around, you know, or like giving somebody to do like, hey, use the formula or whatever, like all the time. If they're constantly doing that, that's is something is going on. Like we have to take a step back and see like, why is this kid's calf or like, um, they're like, oh, do some releases on my psoas. Like what's going on? Like, oh, they're constantly doing stuff on their back. Like something's going on. Like let's address that because that little thing right now, three years from now or five years from now, it's going to be a big thing. All of a sudden they go to the surgeon and they're like, oh, we got to repair something, right? Then obviously we know that implication from that. So we need to take care of the, the person that's in front of you. Not only now, we help them now, but we need to make sure that they get better 10 years from now, 15 years from now, 20 years from now. They don't have pain, you know? So that's why we have to look at uh, the whole integration of system. You know, as someone who's obviously constantly uh, shopping around for ways that you can incorporate uh, other ways of treating problems, I I guess, in a sense, clinically um, or performance wise, is there anything you're currently looking at in the near future for your own development or or as or as tools to add to your toolkit that you use in practice? Um, Constantly, constantly like polishing up everything, you know, 
the other day when I was talking to one of the kids, I said, I told him he was asking a question about basketball. Then I said, hey, you know what? Um, Kobe Bryant to Bruce Lee, everybody has always came up and say, get really good at your foundation, fundamentals, you know? Um, sometimes I feel like I need to take that advice and go and read like more fundamentals and learn a little bit of more and dive deep into more of fundamentals. So we, I feel like we forget the fundamental, the basics. So to answer your question, that's, you know, I'm constantly thinking about that. Maybe I want to dabble a little bit more on, um, not dabble, but, uh, learn a little bit more about like homeopathic. So I'm like, no, a little bit homeopathic. Like I use essential oil. I use homeopathic medicine, but I want to learn a lot more about it. So that might be one of my things, uh, tools. So I say like tools in my tool belt, like I might be a tool that I want to add. Yeah. No, completely. And where can listeners kind of keep up to date with what you're up to or your developments? Um, so since uh, COVID, I um, got on Facebook. Um, so it's just my full name, Naveen Hitarachi. And then I got on um, uh, Instagram. So my Instagram is just as old as COVID. And then I have, I had Twitter. So I tweet some stuff. I write some stuff. Then I created a website. Again, same thing uh, from COVID that I could share people. So uh, my website is NaveenHealth.com um, where I kind of write some articles, share some information. So it's an easy uh, way to uh, keep in contact with me. Brilliant. Well, we'll, um, we'll put all of those in the episode show notes so that listeners can easily find them. And um, yeah, I really thank you for coming on. It's been a really nice uh, insight and it's been a really nice, refreshing sort of visit into a holistic approach and uh, way of managing athletes' care. Thank you, Andrew. I'd like to thank Naveen for coming on today's show and sharing his personal approach to athlete care. I ask this all the time, but please hit subscribe for the Informed Performance Podcast as a quick and easy way to support the show. That's all that we ask in return for the content that we create. But equally, thanks to those of you who have been sharing the podcast on social media and have already done so. It's always greatly appreciated. Follow us on social media so that you don't miss future episodes. Over the next few weeks, we'll be releasing episodes with Adam Loacono, Mike Tucker, Andrew Gray, Mick Hughes and Nick Winkleman, to name a few. Follow us on Instagram at InformPerformance or on Twitter at InformPod. You can find my personal accounts at AndyMcDonaldPerformance on Instagram or AndyMcDonaldPT on Twitter or LinkedIn. You've been listening to the Informed Performance podcast. Catch us next week for more performance and sports medicine insights. Thanks for listening.